If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, And you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 450. A little mini milestone this week. It's June 30th, 2020, which means the 2020 nightmare is half over. And at the end of it, though... There's there's a happy thing at the end, and that's the Xbox Series X and Halo Infinite. We've got some Halo Infinite stuff to talk about later on in this episode of the podcast. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Joining me, of course, Miranda Sanchez. Good to see you. Hello, hello. Good to be back. Yes, and Brandon Tyrell, fresh off of Summer of Gaming. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you. Bam! Ooh. We've been missing is that, a, is that a big one? Did I do him proud? It's good. It's good. <laughs> yes, there it is. The, the surrogate bam. Destin Legary still fired. No, he'll I be back. Doing the bams. I, I just remember. Oh, no. No worries at all. Y'all. It's fine. He'll be yeah. back. He'll be back next week. I, I was uh, slacking with him yesterday and it's like, can you make it tomorrow? And he's like, I'm not sure. I think I might be double booked for another thing. And He's a busy boy, that Destin Legary, but he's been doing a great job uh, doing the technical directing of a lot of the summer of gaming stuff. So he's been been having to work hard behind the scenes. In any case, uh, that is all coming to an end. Brandon Tyrell, awesome job by you and your team. Today, as we record, is the, the last official day of summer of gaming. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> he says with great joy and relief. No, it's been a huge, huge, huge undertaking just from a ton of people on staff. And um, I think we're all really proud of what we put together. It's sort of bittersweet that it's over, but I think we're all really, really happy to start looking forward to getting back to normal life and the next event, really. I mean, it's just a series of events at this point. It is every summer, but the difference is we don't have to produce them from home. Uh, that is true. Up until this year. Yeah, we got the, the virtual Comic-Con next, the virtual Gamescom after that. Nope. It just keeps right on rolling. But the good news is we also, so guys, tomorrow is July, again, as we record here on the 30th, Don't which means <laughs> we're less than one month out. In, in one month's time, we will have seen every all the first-party games that Microsoft decides they're willing to show us, including Halo Infinite. We'll have finally seen it. 
Hopefully. I'm really, I'm really excited. I think you I think you hit the nail on the head when you said uh, now it's Microsoft's game. Uh, paraphrasing, but now it's Microsoft's game to lose, sort of. You know, their uh, their first party slate is really going to define, I think, the 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 fall. Yeah. Uh, the sorry, the holiday season. So it's really exciting. I can't I can't actually wait to see what they you know, there's going to be surprises. Right. I should hope so. There has to be like I think we were saying it before, too. Like they can't just lean on the chief to carry this. Like he can't Mm -hmm. be the one saying, I got the Series X on my back. We're going to carry this to victory. No, 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 no. That's not going to fly with everybody else. Like I think for a lot of. Yeah. A lot of people for us who really have always been part of the Xbox ecosystem are super excited for that. But I think even some of us are still like, okay, that is great. What else are you at? And, so yeah, and yeah. then <laughs> we're ready. We're ready for it. It's it's clear. I mean, the the and and the market has spoken to it too. With I mean, granted, Microsoft's first party problems run a lot deeper, which again we're hopefully going to start to see the answers to it this month. But you know, the 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 gears, the Halo gears, Forza trifecta, people are tired of it. Not not that the games are bad, but it's just they need some fresh blood injected into. Uh, the first party studios and that's what that's what this event coming up is going to be all about but uh what we definitely have this fall barring another delay but i don't think so at this point miranda you and i played ourselves some cyberpunk 2077 i feel so lucky (laughs) but yes we did it was so much fun we have said a lot about it at this point um and we can also speak more to it though I'm sure there's well, still things we didn't cover. <laughs> yeah, we've we've shot two conversation videos on a couple of different topics. The there was just a general video of what you did versus what I did and how differently we spent our four hours uh, a piece in there. And then we also shot a video about the deep customization options from both from the character creator uh, on up through into the game with with skills and perks and and all that stuff. And then we each wrote a long piece based on our our respective four hours so there is a lot of coverage that i would very very much encourage everybody to go check out on ign and or on youtube but just bottom line it for us miranda for for anybody that may not have looked at our cyberpunk coverage yet or or maybe is is wary of doing so for any spoiler reasons some people really want to go in as fresh as possible with it how did what is your your like elevator twitter friendly version (laughs) 140 uh, characters. Uh, yeah, the, the, the takeaway for sure is the just sheer surprise from the number of things there are to do with just the first four hours. I think something we kept touching on is like, oh, we didn't get as much combat as we thought there was going to be. Mostly because there's just so much for there to introduce. And also it's like you could seek it out. That also made things like you're missing other things. Like there's just so much of cyberpunk. And so far it seems super promising. Um and I think there's just still some fine tuning we're looking forward to, but the devs that we played with made it pretty clear that they are still fine tuning this game. So uh, I think that's like just the very generalized version. It's exciting. Yeah, there's uh it is. I now know what a cyberpunk onion looks like because I played it <laughs> and if you just keep yeah. peeling back the layers of it, although this one doesn't make you cry like other onions do, uh, at least um, not in what yeah. I played. Maybe there's <laughs> going to be some emotional, hard hitting stuff later. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's uh, it is it is definitely, if nothing else, a deep video game. There is a lot going on in that world. So please do check out Miranda and I's coverage of Cyberpunk 2077 on uh, wherever your favorite place to look at IGN stuff is. And real quick, before we get rolling with the news proper, I just want to mention a new episode of IGN Unfiltered is live. Uh, actually, Ooh. yesterday, 
as we're recording. The 29th was the 20th anniversary of one of my personal favorite games of all time. This would make this would crack not just my top 10, but my personal top five. And that's Diablo 2. It turned 20 years old yesterday. Uh, and this month's Unfiltered that's up now <coughs> features uh, the, one of the original designers of that game, Max Schaefer, as well as the composer, Matt Ullman, who, uh, you know, the, the, the classic acoustic guitar Tristram theme. That was him. He actually broke out his guitar during the Unfiltered interview. So I would very much encourage you to check that out on IGN YouTube or your favorite podcast service as well. They're also, they're working on Torchlight 3 now. Uh, mm. Just stick, you know, keeping, keeping the action RPG vibe alive. All right, let's move on to the news proper. So guys, this, this story broke while we were recording, but because we're in our little bubble while we record and we're not being, uh, we're not looking up things from the outside world. The unfortunate news broke last week during the recording of Unlocked that uh, Mixer, Microsoft streaming service Mixer, is shut down very suddenly, very abruptly. Uh, it just could not grow its audience to keep up with Twitch. And in the wake of it, streamers, like, you know, remember, of course, Microsoft had signed Ninja to a big fat contract and Shroud as well, two prominent streamers to, to stream exclusively on Mixer. So they were paid out, and they're now free agents, uh, free to go uh, have a bidding war from <laughs> Twitch or whomever else, which, hey, good for them. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, pl there are plenty of Microsoft employees who <coughs> do find themselves laid off. They are not so lucky. So it's it's just never good to see these things happen. I mean, we, we wish the best to all of those affected. Uh, now, Miranda, you've been doing some streaming. You're on Twitch uh, did you ever give Mixer a try? Was it, you know, was it ever something you you bothered with, or did you just find, uh, you know, were you were you finding that Twitch was the the better place to go? So for me, it just seemed easier to do Twitch, just because streaming to multiple platforms is definitely a thing you can do, and I have seen it in action. But it was enough steps for me to not want to do it, and so when I kind of came down to, all right, where do I want to stream? Probably the place that's easiest for everyone to access. Probably that has a lot of options for people for watching and so then at the end of the day i just figured twitch seems like it's the easiest thing uh and so that's kind of what i just went with and i, I don't want to stream to youtube and i don't want to stream to facebook definitely not facebook uh so that was just kind of it was an either or situation and just twitch made a little bit more sense for me so it is definitely a shame to see a competitor shut down just because i think it's always good to have competition right um like you want them to be forced to grow in different ways and you do that through some competition um but it did, it did seem like Mixer was always struggling to pull people away from Twitch or something that was special. And I don't think everyone ever discovered what that special thing was, right? Yeah, I mean, it, well, it was integrated very seamlessly and directly into the Xbox, but that was clearly not enough. Uh, so as for that streaming integration now, that will fall uh, to Facebook Gaming. You mentioned you kind of touched on it there a second ago, Miranda. Which and you had the same reaction. That's actually like I wonder how that's face. <laughs> that Facebook is an automatic deal breaker for a lot of people. You know, there's there's this not to get too far outside of gaming, but in general, there is there has been a, a lot of uh, an increasingly anti Facebook sentiment going kind of around around uh, a lot of circles in in society. So I don't know if people are going to want to go to Facebook gaming. Yeah, I 
yeah, touching on that, the, the things with Facebook that as a platform have issues with and would not want to stream there. Also, the streaming experience is really bad. Like I, uh, for a little while there, there is an exclusive contract between Facebook and a certain Dota tournament that I really enjoy. And so I was like, well, I guess we're going to watch this on Facebook. <laughs> and then we did. And it was just such a pain to watch there. Like, it's just not a good streaming platform. Uh, maybe it's better now. I don't know, but I'm not going to give it my time of day. So I just am a little bummed, actually very bummed to see that's going to be the new partnership for Xbox. Well, uh, Microsoft is one of the biggest and most valuable companies on the planet. They're like market caps 1.3 trillion, I think, last time mm-hmm. I checked. Uh, I'm no stock market expert, but I know I, I take a peek at it from time to time because it's like, well, wait, what's Microsoft worth again? And then what's Apple worth? Wow, they're they're... It's like you don't think you always think of Apple as the but no Microsoft's right there. But the fact of the matter is, guys, like no company's perfect. Brandon Tyrell, you'll remember the uh Xbox 360 HD DVD player. You'll remember breaking my heart right now. (laughs) The the, the Xbox Vision camera. Mm -hmm. Uh the you know, and then of course the probably the highest profile Microsoft product initiative that didn't work. The Zune, which is you know yeah. now it's the butt of the butt of many jokes uh, in in various pop culture circles. So yeah, I mean not everything works, right? It's it's hard to dislodge market share, really. And I, I didn't think about this until you just started listing products. But I guess Microsoft does sort of have a track record with trying to break into new markets with competing products, right? Try to pull market share away from the iPod with the Zune. Try to pull market share away from Twitch with Mixer. Um, sometimes it works like the Xbox. Sometimes it doesn't work like Mixer. So, you know, uh, companies have entire departments dedicated to figuring out where uh, certain sectors of the economy they can break into. And sometimes those deals pay off. And in this case, it didn't. Um, I think Miranda spoke to it really, really well that Mixer just, it, it, it was it was an alternative product to something that wasn't broken. So like it, it's hard to it's hard to really sort of you know f- try to figure out it, it, the one thing it did do really well was it it offered an alternative for smaller streamers to find an audience that would be overshadowed by the ninjas and the shrouds and the doctor disrespects and all that. Um, and I, f- I personally followed like a, a few streamers. Um, I, I'm really into watching like Smite streamers. So I personally followed a few that were on Mixer primarily as as, as their chief platform, and now <laughs> get out of Sorry. here. Uh, Say that I looked up the Dota streams on Mixer and I was like, ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's mostly for consoles, right? Like to your point, like Smite's a console, like as a console MOBA as well now. And I say now, but it's been like that for years, for like five and, years, yeah. And to your point also, like one of the nice things I will say really quickly, not to like cut you off or anything, no, 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 no. Um, but to like add to what you're saying is that like, I, I did like that Microsoft would put Mixer streamers on like your dashboard a little bit every mm. now and then. Like that was kind of a nice integration feature. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of that uh, self-promotion baked into it, I guess, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man, Facebook gaming's a hard sell. Like I, I'm with Miranda. It's a, it's a non-starter for me. Like I just, I mean, I don't even use Facebook really. So uh, I know a lot of people are, are feeling that sentiment or, or sort of coming around to that, to that way of thinking just based on its track record. So I don't know. It, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dilemma. Like does Microsoft just not care about the streaming platform anymore? Um, I mean, they, I imagine starting yeah. over again, they have to kind of know that Facebook with that baggage is going to be a hard sell to bake into your products. So I imagine Twitch just wins by default. 
Um, so hopefully there's more competition out there. I don't think it's going to come from Facebook, but you know, it's a really lucrative platform. So somebody's going to figure it out at some point. Yeah. Well, the, uh, you've got, you've got that share button that's now going to be built baked into the, the Xbox series X controller. So, you know, it's definitely not going away. They're just, there's no more obvious in-house option for, uh, for players on the Xbox platform. Now, in unfortunately related, we're getting the bad news out of the way first this week before we move on to the fun stuff. The uh, Microsoft stores, the retail storefronts, Microsoft announcing that it will be permanently closing all of its retail stores except for four physical locations. They're going to hang on to a store in London, New York City, Sydney, and of course their home base, Redmond, Washington, suburb of Seattle. And those will be reimagined as Microsoft Experience Centers. Now, the good news here is uh, there are no layoffs. So uh, mm-hmm. those those people are going to be uh, this. I've got, I've got a quote from this uh, from Microsoft. The company's retail team members will continue to serve customers from Microsoft corporate facilities and remotely providing sales training and support. So, I mean, this is a this is a thing. Guys, to me, again, that I was just talking about Microsoft and Apple as, as these two trillion dollar tech behemoths, but they are different. I mean, Microsoft is they're they're also a trillion dollar company, but they're uh, they're more of a, a software and services company, whereas Apple has exactly. a lot more physical products that are that it's where it's much more beneficial to have a, a physical retail brick and mortar location with with things that a customer can physically experience that. Microsoft, to me, I mean, maybe you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like you just don't need that as much uh, in the Microsoft ecosystem. I mean, sure, it'd be nice to have a place where you could go try out the Series X mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, as, it, as it's launched before you decide if you want to upgrade and spend the whatever it's going to be, 500 or whatever dollars. Have either of you been to one of their stores before? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because they have that one in the the mall downtown San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and what I did like about their stores is they held like game nights and like competitions and like just kind of like learning sessions for different things. And like that was pretty neat. But I I could see why they see this is not necessarily needed. I think especially with I think COVID is probably a big part of this. Yeah. Um, but I think it is really great that they're keeping all of their team members still on and giving them options for other jobs to do. Um, that's that's nice and obviously something that wasn't necessarily afforded to the mixer employees, which is a shame. But yeah, I, I can't <clears throat> to your point with COVID. I, I I can't imagine that Microsoft was operating brick and mortar locations at a profit. You know, just because that's not yeah. their business. Like like Ryan, you mentioned. Um, you know, their software, their services. They do sell hardware, but not to the degree of like Apple, which actually needs a, a store for you to go in and handle the product. Um, I can't imagine that they were keeping those shops open uh, because they were getting foot traffic that they wouldn't find elsewhere. Like you don't need a brick and mortar to go in and hold the box for the latest version of windows, you know? Uh, (laughs) So I, I, I imagine these stores, these storefronts were always just already operating at break loss. And with COVID, like you were saying, Miranda, COVID is taking down massive chains, massive companies, massive organizations, um, you know, there's no traffic. So for something like that, that isn't integral to Microsoft's business, I, I, I imagine that COVID was just sort of like the thing where they realized, okay, you know, maybe just now's the time. Now's the time. But it, it is cool to see them turning those, 
um, those stores that they're keeping in major metropolitan areas as sort of Microsoft experiences. So you can still have some of those game nights. Granted, it's only four of them, but, um, you know, for, for those isolated pockets of communities, that's a, that's a cool place to go to, um, you know, and, and connect with people in the, in the ecosystem. Yeah. I feel like that that's, this was, these were probably going to go away eventually anyway. And yeah, I think so COVID-19 too. just accelerated the process, but right. Um, yeah, thankfully we don't have to be too sad because no jobs were lost here, which is, which is just excellent, excellent news. Absolutely. In happier news. Now let's, we get to go to the fun stuff. Now there is a lot of it. Uh, this, this makes me happy. I'm very curious to see where this goes. So you may have seen on, uh, various, the halo social media channels, a little teaser for halo infinite with, with that event right around the corner ish in the next four weeks for sure. And that teaser is just a, it's, it's a, it's a sort of a voiceover and just looking at like a, a comm panel and it is a brute. And then they are, is uh, the banished who you may remember from halo wars two. That is, they are a separatist brute group that you, they were the primary antagonists in halo wars two. So it seems they are very much going to be in the mix for Halo Infinite, Brandon Tyrell. All right, McCaffrey. Yeah, I'm really excited about this because um, I mean, Halo Wars 2 was a fun game. I think the story was good. It was, it was uh, not like the best Halo storytelling I've ever experienced, but I like it because of the implications, right? You've now got a, uh, a separatist faction from a offshoot, I guess we'll call it, Halo game, which makes me think that there's a chance a chance that Halo Infinite is going to be this all-encapsulating Halo lore place. And everything from every weird, the books and the comics and the anime and all these different various games, Spartan Assault, the twin-stick shooter, you know, you're going to have all these different elements and things introduced in these different games. And and maybe they're all going to live together. Like, this could be the foundation for, like, the Halo lore platform. And and that to me as a big like Halo lore nerd, um, like I love reading the stuff in the terminals and all and all that extended stuff. And and um, you know, they touched on it with Reach with the the Spartan program and the backstory of that. Like this could be the place where all of it finally comes together as a great entry point for new Halo players. And also something that, you know, the best video games do, which is fan service and teases out for vets. Like when we all play it, we're going to be like, oh, my God, that's meant to get biased. Or, oh, my God, that's a conversation between the Gravemind and whomever or this small faction that nobody remembers except, you know, something from ODST um, is going to be a really, really cool experience for us. But for new players who jump in, they're going to be like learning all of these things and instantly caught up. I think that's really awesome. I'm really excited by the potential for it. I also wonder if Infinite, is, there's the chances now on the table, actually t- really piggybacking on the point you just made, I wonder if we're going to be fighting everybody in this game mm-hmm. for the first time ever. So, you know, we've had game, we've had Covenant and Flood, and we've had Covenant and Prometheans, but if we, if we might get Covenant, Flood, Prometheans, and the Brutes, all Separate going, factions, yeah. yeah, all going the on. Taken from Destiny to show up for some reason, just like all of the enemies <laughs> what? from every what? game. <laughs> Bungie cameo, yeah, yeah, cross yeah. uh, pollination. Because I mean, this—if this is you know, the the open world Halo sandbox that we think it probably is, 
the special part of or a special part of Halo has always been the AI, right? The AI of Halo has always been known for its excellent enemy AI and and how they play off of each other. And we've seen that in game after game in the in the entire mainline series. So now if if there's all four of them on the battlefield some at the same time, potentially, and in different circumstances, that could be really interesting. Yeah. I like Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of muting myself because there's something going on outside. It's very loud. Um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think like to your point, having like this open world game where we can just or pseudo open world, we really know we don't know it's going to be yet. Uh, but to be three able to like or, three weeks or so, we'll know hopefully. Uh, but like if you could come across like two of these factions or even three of these factions is going all out at it, and then you kind of just like wait for your moment to join in the fight. Like that's just it'll be so fun. Um, also, to your point about, like, AI, one thing I've really loved about Halo and continue to love about Halo, even with Halo 5 and some of its missteps in the campaign, there's a lot of really great moments that are isolated with these different NPCs. So whether it's, like, just a little grunt singing a song over the side of a ledge and just swinging his feet, and, it, and like, I think there's just so many different moments you can do with all these different kinds of uh, enemies and like all these different variety that we can get from it. So I really, really, really hope they capitalize on that. Um, and Brandon, to your point, I think as it being kind of like an, a fresh entry point for new people into Halo, uh, I think as we've mentioned so many times, they're giving such strong Halo Combat Evolve vibes here. Mm-hmm. And I think they really are trying to evoke that in every way possible. And I think kind of reintroducing these sort of skirmishes will really do that in a good way. That's a great yeah. point. I totally agree. I think uh, that element of like newness of that, like Mm -hmm. unfamiliar mystique of Halo Combat Evolved has obviously been diluted over the course of what, a decade and a half, two decades. Yeah. Um, So, you know, like to your point with the strong Halo Combat Evolved vibes where you land on an alien place, you have no idea what's happening. All these other factions are around you and they're fighting with you and they're fighting with each other. It's just, it really, it affords the opportunity for you to be uh, the, you know, the avatar, the advocate for the audience, right? That fish out of water where you don't know what's happening and you're going to unravel the mystery along with everyone else. Um, very exciting. I mean, <laughs> I sound like a fanboy, but I'm very excited. You know what? But hey, you're allowed because A, it's an Xbox podcast. B, it's, true. it's been five Wait, years. Like, th- remember, five years. It was 2015 for Halo 5, which... Hey. Again, we've said it a billion times. Awesome multiplayer, but just leaving that super sour single player taste. And so it, we've had five years to just have to sit with that. Yeah. And forgive us for being optimistic for a fresh start in Halo. <laughs> and we're yeah. finally going to get to see it in, you know, three to, well, two, I guess what, two to four weeks, I guess. We can't say it won't be. I can't imagine it's next week because I bet let's they would announce it. Yeah, already. let's just not hedge any of our we bets have no idea. with everything going on right now. But yeah, it's uh, we're, we're getting close. And man, it's uh, first new proper Halo in five years. And yes, you know, again, I know we got the teaser two years ago and then the in engine thing with the pilot uh, last year, but actual gameplay finally going to see this thing in the next three or four weeks. Yes. All right. Uh, let's see here. More fun stuff. The Series S, otherwise known as Project Lockhart, that reveal is allegedly happening in August, which should not come as a surprise, given that, of course, July is the first party showcase. According to Eurogamer's sources, Microsoft had originally 
pegged June as its announcement month for the Lockhart. But uh, which, you know, they were going to use E3 as a showcase to uh, to explain that thing and how it fits into the ecosystem. Well, now, obviously, that didn't happen. E3 didn't happen. Now, uh, Eurogamer sources report that the Series S, as, of course, we've been calling it that for a while, will get its own reveal, uh, you know, whether it's inside Xbox or, or a, just a, a non-inside Xbox branded stream, who knows. But And that is going to happen in August, and that supports a previous report from VentureBeat. So uh, two of the more well-known reporting sources in the, in the uh, game media space, Eurogamer, and uh, VentureBeat both kind of corroborating each other there. And I'll tell you guys, it would make perfect sense to me, I think. It's, you know, there, there's, I think there's zero chance that uh, whenever Lockhart gets announced, that it gets announced uh, without a price and a release date. It just, Paris and I talked about this when we did the, the, the two-person podcast a few weeks ago, and you guys were all, all tied up, but there's just no way they're going to they're gonna piecemeal out the information about the lower price, the lower spec console. It's not going to happen. I totally agree. I, th- I think when this thing is announced, we get a price and a release window if it's in parity with the Series X. Yeah. But in order to effectively communicate that, we already need to know the price of the Series X. Right? Exactly. You, can- you can't have a comparative product uh, when you're trying to make like a value determination between what is you know, the value of one versus the value of the other without having the prices attached to them. So I'm curious if that means the Series X price drops at the end of the July event when they reveal their first party, and then August focuses on the Lockhart and the alternative skew, or if July is just the first party stuff, and then the Lockhart event, they reveal the price of the Series X, and then the Lockhart version uh, coming in at potentially half the price to soften the blow if it's $500, right? Yeah, uh, I, I think I think it's option B. I think it's the latter of what you suggested there. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I, I think yeah. they will keep the, the July showcase just about the games and not because otherwise the price the is going to overshadow. Yeah, right. yeah, it would completely yeah. dominate. But and do they're going to want this just about the games. Do you think they will, given the fact that Sony did their first party lineup and then revealed the console? Granted, we don't still don't well, have a price on it, correct? Right. There's no price correct. attached there's, to the PS5. There's no price, and that technically was their lineup. Uh, most of those games didn't have release dates, That's and I think true. only one of them was like holiday. So yeah. I think Sony still actually does have to do their full on reveal of like this is actually what we're launching with, and here's what this this system is beyond just what it looks like. Um, because at this point, it's all we really have. Whereas with at least the um, Series X, we do have a lot of details on like how it's going to function and like some of the services it offers. Uh, so I think Microsoft is a step forward there. Uh, but to both of your points, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to want to reveal both of those prices together for the Lockhart for the Series S and Series X, because I think it would be kind of odd to say, here's this one very expensive box. And then a month later, okay, but there's also another option. Like it yeah. makes just most sense to put those together and just you let that be it, its yeah. own event to say, yeah. hey, we're giving you these options. We want to make sure that you can play whatever way you want. Um, so I, I think totally agree. Yeah, if it's a, a complimentary thing. console, it's got to be a complimentary announcement. Like the value of exactly Lockhart that. is determined by the value of Series X. So you need all that information. And to your great point, I think it'd be silly to let too much time pass between those two talking points. Right, they need to be paired as as closely as possible. I think in order not to scare the market, really. 
I, I also just don't think I don't think there's any planet on which we get a price without the release date. I yeah, just don't think I, I don't think they're going to say, well, all right, well, it's this much and it's out this holiday. Like, no, I think it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be here are the prices for both consoles. Here's the launch date. Here are the pre-orders, because uh, if you guys remember when when I interviewed Phil on this show, gosh, it, quarantine feels like it's last 10 years ago, years, but, it was 10 years but yeah, ago, I think, yeah. I think Phil was on, I believe it was roughly three months ago uh, for that hour long interview. And I pressed him on, on that. I was like, well, when, when are pre-orders? When's, when's price? And he said, well, when pre, when pre-orders happen, when are pre-orders happening? And he said later this summer. So yeah. August definitely counts as later, <laughs> as later in the summer. And so I, I just think it's all, I think August is going to be when we get, really most of the last pieces of the puzzle on this other than maybe the launch lineup itself. Uh, Cause I think Randy, you were touching on this. I'm not sure if you meant to say it this way, but I don't think the July first party showcase is going to be the launch lineup per se. It's, it's all the forward looking first party stuff. I don't know how they're going to message the launch lineup or even if they will, or if they'll just kind of say, here are all our first party games, Halo and, Maybe one or two others are our launch line, our you know holiday twenty twenty, and then and then let the third parties just fill in the rest as they go. Right. I also am not entirely sure how they're going to message that. Um, I kind of feel like it'd be a little clunky if they don't. But if they haven't announced the price, like to your point, they're not going to release the date either. So they probably won't actually have a lot of dates for these. I would assume, unless they say Correct. this is also yeah. launching with it. I'm We're going to say when. Yeah, yeah, so I think maybe we could get one or two extra release dates, hopefully for for launch. But I think I think yeah. they're doing it. I think they're being smart, right? They, we've we've chastised them for literally years now at this point <laughs> um, about just yeah about bungling the marketing of or I'm sorry, not the marketing, the messaging of what it is they're trying to get across. Uh, speaking to an audience that isn't as fervent as you know, like like the core Sony audience, right? And they've they've recently they've recently righted that ship. They they've started speaking to the core audience, um, and they've started doing it in ways that Sony's really been capitalizing on for years. And uh, I don't know if you noticed it uh, with with Sony's. Well, I I'm, I guess you absolutely did because Miranda pointed it out. There were no real launch dates or, or uh, I'm sorry, release windows for any of the games that they showed outside of maybe one or two. Just a couple. Yeah, there was yeah. Uh, so, so Miles Morales is, is a, presumably a launch title. Um, and then uh, there are a few 2021 uh, Death, Death Loop, I think, was in there as a third party. And then third party. Yeah, there was there was one. Was it that there was like one? I think there was one other launch game or in a holiday. It might have been. Was it the Destruction Derby thing or? Or was it Bug Snacks? Now, there was one or one or two of the like smaller games that said <laughs> holiday, but yes, by and large, nothing. It was all like 2021 and beyond. But that's the that's the thing that Sony has been doing so well. I mean, I, what two or three E3s E3s ago, they dedicated their E3 panel to four games, none of which came out that year, or maybe one that came out that year. Doesn't matter. People are talking about Horizon Zero Dawn, Forbidden West, right? I hope Microsoft follows suit july event show us everything that's happening that you're ready to talk about for the first party um some of those will be launch lineup games some of them will be 2021 2022 
Um, but the point is, is you get people excited for the future of that ecosystem that you're building. And that's really the most important part. Then when you drop your price and your release date later, you can say, and day and date, it's going to be Halo Infinite, which we know, plus whatever Forza and Fable and, and whatever the, the other games end up being. But you need to be able to convince people that this thing has legs in a future, which is something that Sony does so well with, you know, revealing games to three years before they're out, four years before they're out. So I'm com- I'm confident going into this year that Microsoft is going to start playing that card more often, as we've Here's seen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of first party, fun new rumors circulating this mm-hmm. week about Fable and Perfect Dark specifically. So uh, their announcements may be imminent. Maybe it's all BS. Depends who you want to believe. But uh, Microsoft downplaying the significance of two social media accounts that reference Microsoft properties, Fable and Perfect Dark. Uh, So fans picked up, and this was reported on, uh, really, really sort of uh, megaphoned out by Tom Warren. Who, uh, who's a reporter for covers all things Microsoft. So there's an at Fable account and an at Perfect Dark Game account, both of which were registered in early 2020. Uh, and Warren, Tom Warren noticed that the Perfect Dark account was followed by a Microsoft employee, and that employee being Ken Lobb, who used to work for Rare, who makers, original makers of Perfect Dark, uh, who's now a creative director at Microsoft Studios. And the Fable account, the at Fable account, is registered to a Microsoft email address. So uh, our friend, friend of the show, Aaron Greenberg, the VP of marketing, uh, the the top marketing guru at Microsoft, quick to try and squish the rumors. He uh, tweeted back at Tom Warren saying, quote, it's standard practice to secure social handles for our IP. And although he said the accounts have been inactive for years, but... Both say both accounts were were registered in March and June of 2020, respectively. So uh, we'll see. I mean, it's they're, they're both labeled. They're both locked and labeled placeholder as the actual name. You know, like I'm at DMC Brian, but it's Ryan McCaffrey. So the, the actual name on the account is is set to placeholder. So. What what do you guys think? Do you guys believe Aaron on this, or do you guys think they're just covering their tracks for July? And Miranda, <laughs> but, uh, both of us quietly smiling. Go on Miranda's way first. Nobody wants to. Everybody's uh, too polite. I mean, we've been waiting for Fable announcement forever, and I don't. I think Perfect Dark making a comeback is absolutely makes a lot of sense. So. I definitely think someone just made these a little too soon or maybe didn't work out a way to like make this quiet enough. But uh, <laughs> I do think that this is going to be something we'll see later. And yeah. are you, you feel the same? I mean, for years we've been talking about less so perfect dark. That's more of a recent development, yeah. but for years we've been talking about fable. Like we, I mean, <laughs> we kind of, yeah, sure. Fables. There's no fable <laughs> yet. Right. Um, I think I tried to wink and it didn't work, so I probably just look like a psychopath right there. Uh, For all of our audio listeners, yeah, <laughs> just envision me at my worst. There you go. Um, but honestly, like it, it does seem a little tongue in cheek uh, that you know this would be the indicator that something major is happening. It's probably in the works. If if it's not the initiatives thing that that Perfect Dark is not the initiatives thing, I could see a remaster or something happening. Those are very popular these days. 
Um, the but, perfect Dark Zero remaster that the world's been clamoring for. Just, you know what? It, stranger things have happened. Uh, You're not but, wrong. But honestly, you know, uh, somebody from Microsoft that worked at the company that made Perfect Dark followed the Perfect Dark account. Like, that, that that's very thin. It's very, very thin. Um, having said that, like, yeah, I absolutely believe that these are going to happen. <laughs> Uh, I, I think we could probably, I, I mean, write it off for now, but, you know, maybe somebody flipped the switch too too soon, like Miranda said. I just think that it's such a small thing to be reporting on, you know? But you know what? That's that's how these things go. Like, there's there's so many moving pieces to, to do a game unveiling. Like, we've sure. done them. We've partnered with publishers and developers. And we we've did done several them this month, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's it, there is a lot. It is not as easy as you might think it is. There's so many moving pieces to, to try and get right so that, you know, nothing's ruined and no, your, your global partner doesn't accidentally flip a switch early or this or that or the other thing. And it's, there is a lot to it. So I, I, uh, I, Aaron Greenberg, if you're listening, I love you, my friend. I don't believe you. I a hundred percent am with Miranda and Brandon. I do think these are things we're going to see in July uh, you know, the the fable, as you mentioned, Brandon, has been that's an all but it's all but official at this point and has been for some time. Wink. Do the wink. Yeah. <laughs> eh, wink. Uh, what the, is that what a wink sounds like? Eh. <laughs> yes, exactly. That. It sounds like a painful wink. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a, a like a pirate with uh, with some sort of <laughs> long suffering wound. <laughs> but. Uh, me. <laughs> but perfect dark, you know, that's that's been uh, uh, the more more of a of a 50-50 kind of coin toss situation like is the initiatives game perfect dark or is it something new maybe yeah so maybe microsoft's just covering their their uh backsides with the with the perfect dark game account but it certainly would tip the scales for me now towards it's towards initiative doing a, a perfect dark reboot again we've talked about how what does microsoft not have a uh, or at least not they've hardly have any of third person narrative driven cinematic action adventures they're making there's one that we know of which looks great hellblade 2 uh but that's that's sony's specialty that's what the, the playstation audience loves that the core gamers love those kind of games and and i could i that's what i'm rooting for is is the initiative lending all of this top tier industry talent to reimagining Perfect Dark as a as a you know Metal Gear Splinter Cell like story driven third person action adventure stealth game, I would be all for that. Mm. Um, Miranda, I see you nodding along. I, I I like that you're so you're you're with me on this. Yeah, I think that'd be really exciting to see. I never got to play the Perfect Dark games before, so I would be very interested to see what they would be like now. I think there's a lot of games that are like older that I was very curious about that are kind of hard to go back to at this point. Mm. Uh, so cool to see what they have for that uh totally agree though we just need some more variety in those first party games which obviously acquired a bunch of studios so the the opportunity is there which is why i hope it's not initiatives game i really want initiative to make something new yeah i mean we we just got done talking about the gears forza halo trifecta of tentpole games from them um, Perfect Dark is is certainly a new thing for this generation, but it's not a new commodity. I mean, there's so many cool ideas out there, and everyone's got a game idea. When you've got the talent of the initiative, I would love to see 
I'd love to see something new, a new IP, you know? Well, I'm yeah. sure it would have been cool if if Corey Barlog and Sony Santa Monica had done a new thing, but that's they fair. reinvented God of War, right? So it's like that. That's yeah. that's the best case scenario, right? Is that we get an Xbox version of of God of War in terms of not obviously like literally a third person game with an app. Or <laughs> suddenly, wild. Yeah. But a a you know a, a mature awesome narrative driven uh top shelf reinvention of yeah. of what i think it's fair to say perfect dark had been a little kind of a cartoony you know tongue in cheek spy game before but uh we'll see we'll see what what we have in store from the initiative 3 to 4 weeks to go again that's yeah. the theme of the show this week we're we're within a month uh, next, gosh, boy, is uh, I think we might have to go for the 70-minute version of the, of the show this week. We'll see. <laughs> a bit more on the not-so-secret but still unannounced Harry Potter RPG comes by way of Jason Schreier at Bloomberg, who writes, The long-rumored project is very real, according to two people currently working on it. The game's in development at a Warner Brothers-owned studio, Avalanche Software in Salt Lake City. Not to be confused with Avalanche in... Uh, were they Sweden, the makers yeah. of, of Just Cause? I believe so. Different avalanche. Uh, and is the, the Harry Potter RPG scheduled for release late next year for platforms including the Xbox Series X and PS5? Said, uh, th- And this is according to Mr. Schreier's sources who requested anonymity over fears they would be fired for speaking publicly about an yeah. unannounced game. That kicks out. Hmm. Uh, also, he, noting the... sort of the slate of things going on at WB, the Batman Court of Owls game uh, from WB Montreal, not Rocksteady, which we had talked about a show or two back. The the rumor there now is that's Suicide Squad there. But the Jason writes, the new plan is to unveil, per his sources, the new plan is to unveil the Batman game in August at a digital event called DC Fandome, and the Harry, uh, which has been publicly announced, that event. And the Harry Potter game will be revealed later, a person with knowledge of the plans said. Miranda, Harry Potter, AAA level, a role-playing open world game. So wait, it's an RPG? It's not an MMO? It's an RPG, supposedly. Yeah, it's not an MMO, apparently. But uh, what do you make of this game, Miranda, this project? My feelings right now on Harry Potter are a little mixed, considering some stuff that's been happening with J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Uh, that is a... Like one of the biggest disappointments. Never beat your heroes, kids. <laughs> um, yeah, so or follow them on Twitter. Apparently, apparently, um, that's kind of made some of my excitement for this really troubled. I guess uh, at this point, I'm lightly saying, in a joking way, Daniel Radcliffe wrote these books. <laughs> I don't know, um, but that all aside, I think it could be very exciting to see what is up with this just because there have been a lot of really really fun harry potter games in the past based on the movies um kind of back at a time when ips based on major properties were actually really really fun and like they did something weird with that ip and like maybe like involved you in the story a little bit in a different way um so i think that there could be a lot of really cool stuff with this and i'm i'm really curious to see how this all plays out given what's been going on with jk rowling and it's not only something that affects um, Warner Brothers, but obviously for like game development too, because like that's unfortunately like she's going to paint a cloud over all of this. Um, and if you don't want to talk about, uh, I encourage you to go look up the news on that because it's not. I wouldn't encourage that. 
uh, <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, I'm not going to get into the details of what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I can encourage you guys to go look at that elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, but there's yeah. that that is part of this, unfortunately. And I wonder if that will do anything with the announcement for this. Jay- Jason did, yeah, Jason did address that in his yeah. piece uh, and, and including some quotes from developers on the game about, right. th- you know, how, how they feel about it and the situation that it that it kind of puts them in. Yeah, right. right. I, I mean, I've, I just have a lot of questions. Like, how involved is is the author going to be in the game? Um, um, also, um, go. Ahead. I, I th- sorry, I think someone said that she doesn't have creative involvement in it or something. Yeah, well, based, that based on the movies, the the right. ownership she has over the movies, I would be really, really shocked if she at least doesn't have say in, in the license in all media forms. Yeah, I don't. I don't know though. I, I I'm not sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but also like it's a weird time to to put out a Harry Potter RPG, you know. I I know that there's a millions and millions and millions of fans for that, but that franchise, you know, we had the the books and the movies, then we had the Fantastic Beasts um series, two yeah. two of them. Um you know, and then there was the the play and all that, but not to the not to be awesome, like, by the way. <laughs> not to, to be like that. Harry Potter. What are you yeah. doing for me lately? But like, what has Harry Potter done lately? It's, it feels like a weird time to to drop an RPG for this game. Although maybe it's the perfect time, right? Maybe people are clamoring for more, and this is their avenue to to get that. Um, I guess maybe what I was hoping for from this was it to not necessarily be related directly to Harry Potter, yeah. like the kid. And be more about a side story within that and like your personal adventure within Hogwarts and like you going through all these different uh, challenges because there is so much in that world that has been built out and that can be played with. And I think in a really fun way that doesn't impact or take away from the main Harry Potter story. Uh, So I think there is definitely space for it. I'm definitely one of those people who is just like, I still love Harry Potter. I went and like got nice tickets to go see the play with my family. Like I flew them out here. It was like kind of a big deal for me. So I think there are still people who really love that franchise and would be excited for it. That's a strong Hufflepuff move, Miranda. I'm a Slytherin. (laughs) (laughs) I love that people are like 60-40 Slytherin Griffin. No, just straight up. Straight up. That's actually that's not not your not your hairy wizarding house <laughs> comment. But what what you mentioned is a perfect segue into what I was going to speak about, which is Warner Brothers has an amazing track record for doing an, or supplemental content in existing franchises. You know, look at look at Mad Max, look at Lord of the Rings, uh, the Second Age had you playing basically Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn, but like discount versions of them uh, <laughs> in a side story. You know, and then Shadow Shadow of um, I'm sorry, Middle Earth, Shadow of War, and Shadow of Mordor, the exact same thing, more more fleshing out of that lore. Warner Brothers knows exactly what they're doing with existing That's a great properties. Point. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like making and fleshing out new experiences in those properties. Um, so I think it it like you're you're a freshman when Harry Potter's a senior, right? And you show up on the train. Uh, and you start. Oh, that's a you, bad year. That's a bad year for you to get involved. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe, maybe it's like maybe it's like five years later after Harry's gone back and is now the headmaster, and now you know he is he is your um, what was his name uh, with a G? The headmaster, Harry Potter. Okay, spoilers. No, <laughs> whatever his name is, he's now the headmaster, and he's basically your guide as you come up through the wizarding wizarding world of Harry Potter. He's the, he's the Lambert to your Sam Fisher. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of. <laughs> he's the Cortana to, here, to but... your Master Chief. 
Cortana was, was in Harry Potter, wasn't she? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Sorry, that was just... His name's Dumbledore. Dumbledore, thank McGonagall you. McGonagall becomes headmaster after. Harry Potter okay. does not become headmaster, but you okay. know. Thanks well, I'm change. just saying, like, you know, know, in this know, version of it, you know, 20 years trying, later, it's Harry and Ginny and, and Ron is still kicking around it. somewhere for some reason. You know. It's true. They are, they are kicking around. I don't, look, this thing writes itself, really. <laughs> uh, so the other point I wanted to make about this was... Ryan, just shut it down. No, no, actually, is building off of what you said, though, Brandon, about the timing of it, and it's like that you know are we kind of past peak harry potter yeah. where this game's like is this there's a lot of money going into this game like we know that that was uh it's it's just a huge big budget game schreier's report sort of mentions covers off on that as well and like this is the sales potential for it lower in late in fall 2021 than it would have been in fall t- i don't know what whenever i know the movies ended a while back but even with more recently the 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 what is it fantastic beast stuff so yeah. yeah is is that going to affect this game's potential ceiling and then the other thing that i'm sort of uh not like worried about but i think it bears mentioning avalanche has never not 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 discounting their talent but they've never made a big like major tentpole triple a game before uh, the closest, I mean, they did Disney Infinity, which was really cool, but I don't think that I would imagine the budget for that was nowhere near what I mean, they did. What they this did is. do Mad Max, right? And that, that uh, was no, now you're that's the, that's other, the avalanche. other avalanche. Oh, the other yes. avalanche. Okay, <laughs> too many uh, avalanches, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but the optimistically, Rocksteady was kind of a, a, in a similar place as a studio as far as what they'd done that avalanche is and then they made arkham so mm-hmm. it's like you know you just I, i'm just i'm not saying that i'm not saying that i'm not looking forward to the harry potter game or that i'm disappointed you know that it's going to be bad but just that it'll be kind of interesting to see this is this will be a a real big opportunity for avalanche to to really to break through to the next level like if they succeed with this with a major triple a mega budget game it could really change the the course of their of their studio's future for the better. So that will be, uh, it will be interesting to see how it goes and we'll see when this thing gets revealed. However, WB decides to message it. Also, that doesn't have, this doesn't even play into anything about Warner brothers studios, maybe being sold somewhere else. Like there's just like a lot going on with this studio right now, as far as (laughs) like what could impact this. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, think about that. That's depending, depending who the new buyer is, they might decide (laughs) probably uh, THQ Nordic. Yeah. I mean, do we want to? <laughs> do we want to keep pumping money into this mega budget thing when we'd also have to then turn around and pay WB some more money, even though we just bought them? You know, we just bought these studios from them for however many billion dollars. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of wild card factors in play on this one. Uh, meanwhile, EA plans to keep their hyperdrive warmed up when it comes to Star Wars games. You're welcome for that horrible Ooh. setup for this. <laughs> I, I searched for, I was like, wait, wait, is it hyperspace, hyperdrive? No, hyperdrive's the thing that lets you go into hyperspace. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Anyway, uh, Fireside Chat Webinar with uh, Andrew Wilson, the CEO of 
EA. And he alluded to the financial success of the Star Wars Battlefront series, Respawn's Jedi Fallen Order, and their mobile game, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, and saying, we're going to double down on that partnership, quote. Disney continues to be very committed to the, I, the Star Wars IP and to the canon. Well, I wanted to mention this, guys, because I want to get your take on it. It seems uh, like a little bit of a strange quote to make seven years into a 10-year exclusivity deal. So you're going to double down with three years left? Uh, okay. I mean, okay. yeah, maybe there's a lot more going on that we just don't know about yet but that just struck me as a little strange or does that slyly imply that they've extended that exclusive partnership past 2023 it kind of reads like that it's like we've decided to double down so when we're given the option to renew by disney we're gonna you know jump on that that's cool i mean hasn't been the best track record right we've we've gotten a couple really awesome battlefront games we got um responds you know addition to it with uh jedi fallen order uh i'm hoping that that means that ea has sort of figured out the star wars playbook now because uh, we've also gotten a lot of, you know in the in the earlier part of the licensing deal we got a lot of stuff that maybe wasn't as great as it could have been or um certainly from a star wars perspective as great as it should have been um, so yeah to me this reads like they're interested in continuing this partnership which probably means a, a crap ton more money when the licensing comes back around but you know if it's financially profitable for them and they get to keep making star wars games that's that's what this reads like in my opinion i also wonder just thinking about it as as you were talking there brennan could it could we maybe kind of both be right and by doubling down do they mean oh well we've kind of figured this out now we'd better get as much we'd better get our butts in gear so that EA, so that uh, Disney is willing to extend the deal. Like mm-hmm. if we show them, like look at all this cool stuff that we're that we're doing now, that they're going to be more apt to sign an extension on that deal with them. Right, yeah. especially with how they kind of fumbled with some of the microtransaction stuff early on with Battlefront. Like that was a big deal, and I can't imagine that Disney would have been super happy about that. Uh, but also, Ryan, you have a great note in here. Uh, that's like, it'd be great if they stopped canceling Star Wars games. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, that's kind of a big part of this too. Like I, obviously we don't have all the insight to everything that happened with those games. Um, but I mean, it sounds like there's really great ideas to do some cool creative things within these studios. So hopefully they give them the space to do that and the support. Um, and also I, I, part of me worries a little bit when they say we're going to double down on the partnership. I'm like, okay, but please take care of everybody and don't force them to work insane hours just so you can meet something that you guys didn't plan for well enough. But- I mean, we've, we've talked about this before. We've addressed this before too. We yeah. don't actually know if the let's like, let's say the, the exclusivity agreement doesn't get extended. Mm-hmm. But we, even if that's the case, we don't know if, if games would have to, if EA would have to release games, like they couldn't even release anything past mm-hmm. the, that term, yeah. or if something's in development, if if that still counts and they would be able to to bring it to the finish line after after the the end of that term in 2023 like we just don't know right so it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that goes but i mean it's we should also mention uh and we'll we'll have the answer to this probably fairly soon 
Star Wars Squadrons, I don't know about you guys, because I, I, I haven't podcasted with, with either of you very much in a while. I really, I'm actually very optimistic about Star Wars Squadrons. I think it looks really good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they know exactly, uh, you know, they've already cut their teeth on what it's like to do a flight sim-esque game in the Star Wars universe. And I mean, there's just a fountain of content and a fountain of inspiration you could pull from in that universe. So I, I, it, I'm not going to say it's going to be impossible for them to, to uh, you know, really drop the ball on this one. But I think that, you know, given their track record and everything, that this looks like a slam dunk for EA, like easily a slam dunk. Also very worth mentioning that our very own Mitchell Dyer was writing on that game. So very important to note for us. I am super excited for them and I am, want to know more about what he was working on. Mm-hmm. And therefore... So- we will None not be reviewing be. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, IGN will, but it'll be somebody that didn't work with Mitch when, yeah. uh, when he was here. That's that's sort of how our ethics policy works. Is we'll, um, I think that's that's what we're uh, that's what'll happen with Ghost of Tsushima too with Mr. Andrew Goldfarb. Uh, yes, be finding someone who did not work with him while he was at IGN. That's I don't weekend. think I don't think that's so much the case anymore. Um, no, I mean, it is. especially if we oh, put a disclaimer is. in. Well, Dan asked me yeah. if I wanted to review Ghosts, and I was too busy with Summer of Gaming. So, oh, I, Dan, <laughs> come on! I said no. Yeah. Well, I think know, mostly for some of us who were like really close to them. Like, I'm still super close with Mitch and Andrew, yeah. so mm-hmm. obviously, I'm not going to cover that in any way or shape or form. So, I mean, ethics basically don't exist in 2020 in any form of society. So, we probably don't even really need what to makes worry you say about that, it, Ryan. <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? What we we do our best. We want to try and. Uh, try and deliver the most. Uh, yeah. I mean, and it's less like if Miranda reviewed ghosts or uh, squadrons, like her relationship with, with Mitch or Andrew is not going to have any effect on her score. If it's a bad game, she'll give it a bad score. Um, but what it is, is the optics of it. Right. So of course, like, that's yeah. the thing you yeah, have I mean, to be careful. I, 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 also, I would not be comfortable doing that because it's something that my friends are passionate about and right. work on. So I think there's like a lot of factors here, right? It's like also the comfortable, how comfortable our reviewers for doing that. Like obviously, and, and this is goes beyond just like, oh, I know this developer or I have worked with them. Like these are my friends. <laughs> so not like just say, oh, we've worked together previously. So that's, the, I'm trying to like separate that a little bit, like making that very clear. That this is not just a, I know you and we follow each other on Twitter. It's like, no, 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 no. We go on vacation together. So it's different. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was Mitch's manager. So it would be uh that would be a tough thing. I'm like, uh, so yeah, what'd you give my game? Uh, a six. It was okay, but <laughs> but it's not. It's not just his game, right? It's <laughs> no, a team of, of two hundred sure, sure, people. Sure. Yeah, sure, sure. But I'm just trying to make it. I guess the separation there clear. And like, it's not and, that I don't have a problem being open about a game thing, but also I don't want to put myself in a weird position. Anyway, this it's all moot because I'm not going to yeah. do it anyway. So. Yeah, and and every major fine. every major yeah. editorial outlet does does the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, lastly, one last note here. Games with Gold for July. I always like to mention this for anybody that still pays attention to. <laughs> I feel like Games with Gold, I just feel like nobody. I mean, I'm sure people still take advantage of it because otherwise Microsoft would just kill it if nobody was downloading this stuff. Mm-hmm. But man, it just does seem like the last thing on anybody's mind in the community. I guess I guess Game Pass is. Especially you know, with Game Pass, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But in any case. You can get these. You can own these games for free if you're a if you're an Xbox Live Gold subscriber. 
from July 1st. So all July long, you can download WRC8 if you're a racing game fan. Uh, Dunk Lords, which I confess I'm not familiar with, will be running. Love that name, though. From Yeah, I mean, uh, is that like a, is that where you go in the game? Do you like, do you do snarky tweets at celebrities? Yeah, I was going to say that. I was like, it's a Twitter, uh, it's a Twitter sim where you just dunk yeah. on people. So that's July 16th to August 15th. And then backwards compatible games. They're 360 games that they'll run on your Xbox One. Uh, Saints Row 2 running in fr- the first half of the month, July 1st to the 15th, which is uh, regarded by many. But it's, it's, I feel like it's like half and half. half. Half the Saints Row fans think Saints Row 2 is the best one. The other half of us are Saints Row 3 people. So if you're a Saints Row 2 person and you don't already own it or you've heard about it and want to give it a go, Saints Row 2 free with your Xbox Live Gold subscription in the first half of July. And then in the second half of July, coming back from 360 compatible on the Xbox One, another game I confess I'm not familiar with called Juju. Is it good Juju or bad Juju? That I'm not sure. (laughs) That strap strap line writes itself. It sure does. (laughs) Uh, All right, with that, let's see, we've got... Seven minutes left in the show before we've got to get off the air. Let's do loot box real quick. Actually, you know what? Maybe we'll hold that. We should probably just do. I think that's going to be a long conversation. Trivia. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll hang on to that one. Unlock block trivia. Dan uh, McPhillamy, his gamer tag is Danny1993, asks, not, this is a good one. And I actually confess, I did not get, I tried to play along by not scrolling down on his email. I did not get this right. So here's a test for you guys. Not including the special editions like the Halo 3 Xbox 360, the Gears of War uh, 3 Xbox 360. How many models of the Xbox 360 were released in its lifetime? So again, not game-specific special editions, but actual variants of the 360. Does this include different hard drive sizes? Uh, Yes. So okay. four, five, seven, or nine. So it's kind of the range where, where, that uh, Dan has given you to play with there. Uh, I will go Brandon Tyrell's way first. <clears throat> well, I'm going to go with D9 only because it's the biggest number on there. And there were a million Xbox 360 variants. Uh, I'm surprised nine is the highest number, to be honest. I would guess 13,000 would be okay. option E. So <laughs> wow. uh, I'm going to go with d Nine because there was the, uh, actually I'll wait for Miranda. Okay, I only remember a few, and I do remember a few that were different at launch because I was doing research on it. Um, this was also before before a time when I was really paying attention to like launch versions of Xboxes because I was a small child without money, so <laughs> it was not really my concern. Don't you hate um, it when you're a small child without money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I'm gonna keep it a little bit more sparse. I think I'm gonna go with five. Okay. I don't know. I know there was a you, lot, but I don't know yeah, how which, many. Do you want to try and name a few, Miranda, or do you just want to well, go? I know with... wasn't at launch. There are two different variants, but I don't remember what. I don't know if there was more. I just remember there were two. I think one had more storage, and then I know later you had the slim edition, mm-hmm. and then I was another. There was another one later with just just again storage, and I think wasn't there one with the Wi-Fi? I don't remember. Thirteen thousand. Thirteen thousand. Thirteen thousand. Uh, yeah, because at launch there was the 360, right? And then there was the Pro or the Premium. Yeah, yeah and, yeah. and there was the Arcade, which didn't come with a hard drive. Then later, oh. there, 
Later, okay. they came out with the S, which was the slim version. Yeah, the slim version. And I think I there were two that. variants on that. And then they came out with the Elite, that really sexy, small, black one. Right. And then I think there were there were two variants of that, maybe? Maybe not? I don't remember. Anyway, okay, but you're right. You're convincing me that I'm wrong now, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one last chance here to, to lock in your answer. I think it, I've already given my answer, so I think it's fair. I think it's fair for me to stick with five, even though it's incorrect. It's 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 noble of you if you want to stick with. I'm right. honest. I'll be I'll be good. So, uh, y- your your <laughs> honor has uh, you might sleep better at night with uh, maintaining your your honor, but Brandon Tyrell moves further out into the lead wow. by getting that correct. He moves to seven points to your five, Miranda. Uh, Destin at four. So he did send a list. Dan sent a list. Cause oh, awesome. yeah, I did. I like, I started trying to do it in my head. Yeah. You guys I owned there, four of them, dude. Yeah, there, was, <laughs> so there was the core and the premium at launch. Yeah. The core. Uh, that's what it was. The arcade was actually later. That it came later as like the budget, four, right? Four gigabytes of storage. If memory serves in that. Wow. The, four the gigs. The premium had uh, twenty, so right. <laughs> um, and then there was there was a three sixty elite. If you remember that, yeah, I do. Uh, I forgot about elite. It's somewhere there was around here. A, a super elite, and then then the S revisions, which came in. There was a four gig of that for a cheaper version, and there was a two hundred fifty gig version of that, and there was even a three hundred twenty gigabyte version of that. And so then, stupid. And then the three sixty E which came right near the end of the 360 life cycle, which I thought sucked. It, it, um, cause it, it changed it. Uh, it was missing something as I recall. Cause in fact, Mitch Dyer and I did an unboxing of it. There was something like they'd changed about it. That was not great. But, uh, as far as the IO ports anyway, oh, nine. Okay. Yeah. So there were nine. Dang. I'm Dan, I, I, good I, job. I stand by. I'm honestly surprised. It's only nine. <laughs> I uh, am shocked by how many of them I miss. I don't. I never heard of the Super Elite because I, I remember the Slims, and then I forgot about the Elite being like a series that they did. I just thought about like the first. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, because the Elite so had a built-in hard drive, right? Or was that the Slim, and then the Elite just took that feature as well? At, at one point, they stopped doing the removable hard drives on top. Right, because I remember I had little hard drives. I just remember changing out the hard drives, and I labeled them with yeah. stickers, and then yeah. I had, like, the little Wi-Fi plug-in thing, which was silly, but it was, it was it, it, They were like, hey, how do we take memory cards but make them worse? Oh, make them huge. <laughs> you know, they're cool! I like, I will defend them. I like them. I had I two. Cool. I had two, and I it never failed. It was like plugging in a USB cable. It was always the wrong one the first time. <laughs> I always had to pop it out and put the yeah, other one in. Stickers, Every man. time. Every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, I actually there's a, there's a there's an E or an S right on the, I don't know if you can see, yeah the, my mic's blocking it I don't want to mess everything up but and it's down there it's basically my rock band box now <laughs> <laughs> really because everything else is compatible on Xbox One but uh, yeah. and yes the USB ports are annoying to on on the front of it all right we've got less than a minute left uh, let's uh, we got to hit the road you can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan please check out my uh, cyberpunk 2077 coverage and miranda's there is a lot of it miranda 
Hi, you can find me at Havoc Gross, and it's Havoc with a K on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, everywhere else. Um, I'm looking up the Xbox 360E console because I never even knew that was a thing, and I'm just so surprised. Aren't you surprised when you learn something new that you're just like, well, where would you come from, little one? You're kind of cute. Uh, so that's me right now, and tonight I'll be streaming Bioshock 2 because I'm, I'm kicking that playthrough off tonight at 7.30 PT. Awesome. Brandon Tyrell, take us home. Hey, hi, I'm Brandon Tyrell. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Tyrell. I don't have anything to report because you're not going to see this until this afternoon or tomorrow, but the last day of Summer of Gaming is today. I'm very happy. This whole thing went off and we're all really proud of it. So if you missed any of the crazy announcements there, you, I mean, throw, throw a rock at the website and you're going to hit a SOG piece of content. So you can find all of that stuff on IGN or on YouTube. Look for the pretty graphics. It's right there. Um, and I'm going to finally start playing video games again. I'm very excited. Yeah. Well earned. Uh, thank you both so much. This was Unlocked 450. It was a busy, fun week. Thank you, Miranda. Thank you, Brandon. And we will see you all again next week. Bam. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.